0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stucheski podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to help you become a more productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to take my exclusive productivity quiz. How productive are you really? Well, go take the productivity quiz and find out. You can get that by going to MrProductivity.com, Mister Productivity.com, m-i-s-t-e-r Mr. productivity.com on the show today dr benjamin ritter he is the founder of live for yourself consulting a chicago-based leadership and empowerment coach national speaker consultant mentor teacher and passionate about guiding others in finding creating and sustaining a career they love this is a value-packed episode let's get right to it Ben,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mark.
0: I am excited to have you on the show because we're going to talk about a topic a lot of people don't like to talk about, and that's failure. Now, I have such a difficult time talking about it, is sometimes when I get excited, I can't even say the word failure. I've actually got to slow down to say the word because all the words kind of get mushed up together and it comes out like filler. And so, (laughs) but we're going to talk about failure, we're going to talk about living your purpose, and so it's a great episode today. But before we get started, why don't you take about 20 seconds or so and tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, so I have a background in organizational leadership, entrepreneurship, coaching, and healthcare. And so I founded LFY Consulting or Live for Yourself Consulting back in 2016, really with the sole purpose of helping others live for themselves in their work and in their life. So basically I guide individuals to create a career that they love, and I moved into organizations as well and and help create organizations that people can love and that mainly through individual leadership development.
0: Excellent. Well, we're going through a very unusual time in our world as we are dealing with COVID-19, coronavirus, novel coronavirus, however, whatever word you want to use to describe it. And a lot of people are finding themselves out of a job. They're at home collecting unemployment. They don't know when this thing's going to end. It, no, spoiler alert, it is going to end at some point. We don't know when, but it's going to end eventually. It's not going to kill off the entire uh, human population. But a lot of people are don't have the skills to work from home like you and I do. And they may think of themselves as a failure because they are doing what I think they shouldn't do. And that's binge watching Netflix for 12 hours a day, or even worse, watching the news for 12 hours a day and really getting full of anxiety. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we can
1: summarize the episode up just real quick. You can stop listening. Don't stop listening, but basically by saying that failure doesn't exist. And, and I'm sure we'll get into this and we'll expand on it. So if you want to learn more about that, keep listening. Uh, but in terms of like work and jobs, a lot of people have lost their jobs, which is why they feel like a failure. A lot of people are at home and are experiencing more uh, Relationship conflict. So they feel like a failure. They uh, don't feel like they have any friends. They feel alone because they can't be in person and socially connect. So they feel like a failure. Or like you mentioned, they're home and they don't really know how to work from home. They don't feel as productive. They don't have that recognition, you know, from their superiors or leadership. Um, So there's a lot of trauma and stress right now that are bearing down on individuals that relate to everything from work to life. And this, it's really important to at least take a moment and realize that that is our reality at the moment it's it's our new normal it's not normal but it's our new normal you have more you have more of an inner critic right now than you might have had ever in your entire life and so that that at least should cause you to pause and say i hear that little voice i know that it's not actually true. It's being caused by all these external events that that have happened to me. And what do I truly control for myself? And then you can start making progress and taking steps forward and whatever that is. And I'm sure we'll get into some actual action steps.
0: Yes. I want to, I wrote that down so we didn't forget. We don't forget to talk about failure does not exist. But one of the things I am seeing firsthand is motivation or lack thereof. My beloved bride of 17 years, she was a travel agent for a cruise cruise line or a cruise travel company for cruise lines. And of course they shut the cruise line down. And so she's used to going to her job, you know, eight, nine hours a day, five days a week, booking cruises, talking to people. Now she's home. And even though I'm Mr. Productivity, uh, note to self, it's really difficult to coach someone you live with. Like it could be a spouse. It could be your kids. It could be your close friends. They don't want to hear it because they know you before you were the expert. And so I've seen, not just in my wife, I've seen other people, they're just not motivated because their motivation was tied to their job. And I was talking to my wife last week and I said, I believe, because I heard this, I believe from Tony Robbins first, that action leads to motivation. A lot of people think they have to be motivated to start the action, but Tony, I believe, is the person who told me, not me personally, but he said in this training, that you have to do something, and that leads to motivation. Do you agree with that? Oh, completely. And I mean,
1: I wake up every I'm probably living the most value driven life I've ever lived in my like ever uh, for myself. And I still have to wake up and convince myself to work. You know, it's it's not just people that are out of work right now, even people on the front lines, healthcare workers, people that are working delivery anyone really that's out there still that is busier because of because of COVID. It it still feels like the world's on vacation, right? A lot of people have lost their jobs, a lot of the world feels like it's at a standstill. And so there's a lot of a lot of uh, like a vacation mentality where it's, you know, do I really have to work? My whole life has been like, you know, turned upside down and that can drastically deplete our levels of motivation and taking action. Like, taking that first step can ramp up those levels and but I think it's there's a little bit more than that too and I'm actually hosting an event for the next 5 weeks on this where we're focusing on the like nine different areas of self so like spiritual family social mental financial physical etc that fuel our our Motivational drive, right? And so our whole life has been turned upside down. We're thrown at ho- into into our homes. We don't have the same level of Im- like input. We don't have the connectivity. We don't have, like you said, you know, the work that we can focus on each day in the same way. We're missing a lot of the things that fueled us up. We can't go to the gyms anymore, and even working out from home isn't the same. And so we don't we don't have that fuel. That focusing on each one of those areas of our life in an easy way, where we don't have to force ourselves to do it. That we used to have before, and so we have to take—we actually have to take control now of our lives, even if we don't feel like it—to start doing little things in each category to fill our cup that we knew before fill, filled our cup, but didn't have to work so hard at it. So very much, you have to take action. You have to create structure, and—and um, and I want to get into the specific, the specifics of that, but I'll pause for a moment.
0: Yeah. Before we get into the specifics, I want to tell you one of the people I follow and learn from, I've actually invested money in courses is Brendan Burchard. And he talks about like morning routines. Your morning routine should be something you do seven days a week whether you're on vacation, whether it's a global pandemic, whether you have a good year, a bad year, you're feeling sick, you're not feeling sick. You should have a consistent routine every day. And so for me, when they started having, like I live in Houston, the stay at home order, it really didn't affect me because I work from home. I do all my training from home and I very rarely went out and spoke. And so for me, it was a lot easy, more easy to adapt. But someone who's used to going to a job five, six days a week and working eight, nine hours away from home. That is a huge paradigm shift because you're like, okay, what do I do now? I have no job. I have unemployment. Well, Netflix looks really enticing right now. And, and they're having problems. And and you have to really handle these people with tender loving care. I, I especially believe at the closer they are to you, like my spouse. Cause nagging, uh, men don't, doesn't work to, for wives. So you have to lovingly encourage them. And, but I can't give her motivation. You can't give someone who's unmotivated, like, here, take this pill to make you feel better. They have to somehow find their way out of the woods of motivation. Or am I way out based on that?
1: You can't give someone something they don't want, right? You can you can help guide them towards that. And you can't fix something for someone. Or a lot of times, even myself, I have a fixture mentality. But as a coach, I had to learn over the years to really guide people, right? To to create clarity for themselves. And if you want to create motivation, and you're la- and you're lacking it, the first thing that you probably are missing is clarity. You don't truly know your goals. You don't truly know the processes to get there, which is what this what COVID has created. We have now lost clarity. We don't know what's next. We don't know even what our current life is. We maybe have lost touch with our goals or feel like they're not possible anymore because of disruptions. And so sitting down first for yourself, and even if you're coaching somebody else, sitting down with them and asking them those guiding questions in terms of, you know, what do you really want to accomplish this year, despite everything that's happened outside of you? What, How, how do you think you can get there? What's one thing you can do each day to, to move the needle forwards in that regard? And that in, in itself will build motivation, build energy, create greater levels of confidence that will just ramp up your motivation even more. But if you don't have that clarity and you're just sitting at home and you have Netflix in front of you, you, have, you, know, you walk 20 times to the refrigerator to see what's inside, but nothing's changed. <laughs> um, it's like, how do you decrease the access to the things that are draining you, increase the availability and ease of access to the things that can motivate you? But, but that takes someone actually wanting that as well.
0: Makes, that makes a lot of sense, a lot of sense. So let's circle back to something you said in the very beginning because it is, I think it's going to be the big topic of the, the show today. You said failure is, does not exist. Now I heard that failure is not a person. Failure is an event or a failure is a situation. But what do you mean by and why do you believe that failure does not exist? Yeah, I, I give workshops. I've
1: done I've done workshops on failure, on success, and and motivation, etc. And I love asking everyone in the audience, "What is the opposite of success?" And everyone, says everyone failure. responds failure. Everyone responds to failure. And I say, "No, the opposite of success is stagnation. Mm. Not doing anything means that you have. I mean, I don't want to use the word, but you have not. You haven't done anything." no progress is going to be made. So in a, in a sense, that would be failure if you were to define it. Failure usually implies progress, usually implies that you tried something and it didn't work out. That in itself is success. That You ask any entrepreneur, any any business owner, any even leader, professional, VP, executive, CEO, senior leader, if they failed in life to get to where they are. And i I promise you. If you find someone that hasn't, you you connect them with me because I want to do a case study on them. <laughs> I promise you, those people have failed to get to where they are, and their failure has has actually led to their success. Their failures have taught them the messaging that works for their business, or the product that works for their business, or led them to a relationship that helped helped them create their business. Or in the corporate environment, their failure of losing a job led them to a more value aligned, you know, empowering position that then they gone to the food chain, etc., and got to where they are today.
0: I once heard Tony Robbins, another person I admire, said that when you need, when you start action, you start to take action. Cause a lot of people are what you just said. They're stagnated. They're in one point, one place. But if you take a step in, in a direction and it's the wrong direction to your point, at least you're moving. Cause when you go in the wrong direction, you can actually turn around and go in the right direction. But if you haven't started, if you're stagnated, if you're sitting there in your concrete shoes, well, I understand what you mean. That's, that's It's better to take a wrong action than no action at all.
1: How do we get people, and maybe you have some input on this too, how do we get people more afraid of not doing something, of not taking a risk, quote unquote, on not trying, than they are of potentially failing, of changing people, you know, of being judged, being criticized, of having people laugh at them because that fear is is what is holding most people back.
0: Yes. Yes. And and I love how Tony Robbins puts it that you will not make a change until the pain of staying is greater than the pain of leaving. So you're very uncomfortable, you lost your job, you know, you're you're eating too many Oreos, you're gaining weight, but you're not at that point yet where it's so painful that you're going to take a walk around the block or go Purchase a course or go watch a webinar, and so I really like that saying because we're—it's uncomfortable, but it's not uncomfortable enough for us to move. Mm-hmm.
1: And those those fears that are holding everyone back from attempting anything need to be explored. They have to be acknowledged. They have to be honored. They can't—they—they they can't be ignored because the—if the, you ignore them. Right? then you're not going to tr- try to surpass them, to take action. And everyone has fears, right? When I started my first business, I was afraid. You know, when I launched my first events, I was afraid. When I launched my first podcast, I was afraid. But it's it's becoming comfortable with the fact that, okay, I understand what this fear means. I understand what it implies. But of course, I'm afraid. I'm trying something new. Of course, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're trying something new. If you don't have experience with something, that is going to make you nervous. Mm. Like no matter what, you can get the, you tomorrow, like everyone listening, you could have your ideal life. So someone comes up to you and offers you your ideal job, your ideal position, your ideal business. And a hundred percent, I bet you, you will get nervous. You will feel afraid because hmm. you will start to doubt yourself, but you're still going to take the job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I remember when I started this podcast on July 7th, 2017, I was Petrified. Not so much with anybody listening. I'm like, okay, what if I hit the wrong button? What if I don't record it? All these other things are going through my mind. Now 544 episodes later, it's like, it's like autopilot. But in the beginning, it was scared. Anything new. I don't care if you're going on vacation, if you're flying for the first time, if you're taking a cruise the first time, you're walking out on stage the first time, you're doing a live webinar or, or even an Instagram or Facebook live for the first time. If you're not a little bit apprehensive, because yeah you could study the technology or the thing all you want but until you actually do it you have no firsthand reference of what it's going to be like
1: mhm and there's a really good like quote from Simon Sinek he 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 basically talks about sport interviewer interviewers that are interviewing athletes and they, they've taken like the game winning shot had you know had the last dribble etc and they're asking these athletes okay like, you nervous are you nervous and the athletes go no i was excited i was excited and those feelings that you have you can either let them control you as nervousness or fear or you can reframe them from now on as excitement as opportunity as a a requirement to move forwards and to reach success,
0: I love that. I just wrote down in my notes reframing fear to excitement. I really like that. That's a, that's that's a tweetable there, folks. <laughs> reframing your fear.
1: But think think about the physiological effects of nervousness: right? sweaty palms, heart racing, you know, maybe shaking or something. Uh, those are the exact same physiological responses as as excitement, but we've interpreted them as nervousness. And then we interpret, we interpret nervousness as doubt. And that grows if we focus on it because we tend to focus on our emotions because those types of emotions relate to our fight or flight response. We, we're looking to survive. And doubt and fear and nervousness means that we need to be on alert and afraid of what's going on and be ready to run. So, but if we can reinterpret that as excitement, as, ooh, that could be food, that could be money, that could be
0: love, then what are
1: we capable of?
0: Now, I want to make sure I didn't miss something because in the very beginning, you said failure does not exist. And then because I want to get clear here because you talk about clarity. But then you said the opposite of success is stagnation. So when you say failure does not exist, because you did mention, unless I misunderstood you, that failure, you're still moving in some direction instead of stagnating. So when you said failure does not exist, can you elaborate on that a little bit more for us? Yeah, I would love to banish the word failure from our vocabulary,
1: but sometimes I have to use it because that's what people understand. I would love to re just get rid of failure and now use the word progress. Oh, how'd how'd that event go last night? Well, you know what? I made a lot of progress. Oh, did you get that job? No, but I learned a lot. It was a ton of progress. Oh, how how did your relationship go? I I heard, or I heard your marriage ended. That sounds like a oh, that was a lot of progress. I learned a lot about love and what I need in my next relationship.
0: That makes sense.
1: So it you know it's sometimes it has to be used because people use that term and sometimes you have to speak to how people how people relate. But if I could, if I could I would totally reframe and and I love reframing. <laughs> Change the term failure to progress.
0: That makes a lot of sense because if you one of the examples I like to use from the stage all the time is if you want to summit Mount Everest, Nobody ever starts out the first time and makes it to the summit. It doesn't happen. You're going to get maybe up to the base camp, maybe a little further, and then for whatever reason, you have to come back and you keep trying. But you didn't fail that first time. You made progress because you were on the ground, you were at sea level, and then you went to base camp. Okay. Then you make it past base camp. You came back down. Then you made it like the second camp. So you're making progress incrementally up the mountain of Mount Everest. You're not failing, failing because you didn't make it all the way the first time you're making progress. So I really like how you reframe that.
1: Yeah, it, It's weird how sometimes, well, it's weird how people can say like, Oh, I, you know, maybe they're practicing basketball. They miss a shot. They don't go, Oh, I failed, but they say they failed as they don't make a team. And it, it's like, the greater the miss people tend to label that as failure because it seems more severe, but it's not any different than missing a shot when you're, you're taking, when you're practicing basketball, it's, it's just has a, it had a different result. You didn't, you didn't make a team, you go try out for another team or try out next year. Mm -hmm. So it seems like failure is in a sense how people label misses that or progress That leads to a greater pivot, or or more of an input in terms of making like a different set of progress. If you start a company and it quote unquote fails, then you have to go start a new company or kind of revamp everything and pivot. That's just a greater severe like example of missing a shot in basketball. So why can't we just reframe these major events in our life that we deem as disappointments as just progress towards wherever we're going to end up? Right, especially in our career. Our career is a journey. So no matter what, we're supposed to lose jobs, we're supposed to switch jobs. And in relationships, I don't know many people that, that call past relationships failures because everyone I know that, end, that ends up in some incredible relationship or they end up married or end up out of these old relationships, Quote on, you know, they, they quote, I can quote them saying, this was so good for me. I learned so much about what I need and love. I, mm-hmm. I learned so much about what I need personally, what I want in my life.
0: That's something I think we all need to really think on reframing. So whenever that thought enters our head that oh I failed, catch yourself. I'm going to try to do this myself because I'm I'm just as guilty as the next guy. Catch myself and said no, I'm not failing. Fail. See there I go. I can't say the word failing. I can see that word failure. I can say I can't say failing. It's kind of funny. Um, but instead I'm progressing. And I, we, we, everyone listening to our conversation needs to, every time the F word comes in their head, they reframe it and said, no, I, I learned some lessons. So I progressed. And I think if enough people do that, you could have quite the movement on your hands there.
1: I, I do hope so. And it is a lot harder. I'll be fully transparent to do that when somebody else is calling you a failure. Mm. It's, it's sometimes, it's sometimes easier if you do something and no one knows about it, that to do that reframe. But uh, some other times when people are criticizing you, especially if you're trying to be a public figure or doing something out in the open, that's when it can get really tough. That's, that's when it can get really tough. And that's when knowing your values and knowing your worth and knowing who you are is so important. Because if you know what you stand for, if you know what you're working towards, then other people's criticism or judgments in a way... Aren't as severe, aren't as impactful because you can look at those and say, well, they don't know what I know. They aren't me. And I'm on this journey that is completely separate from their judgments and criticism.
0: You know. For I don't know where this came from, but as you were talking there, I was thinking that a lot of people, because we live in a very divisive country here in America, and there are either people who are Democrats or Republicans, and they're always bickering, and the Republicans said, well, the Democratic president was a failure, the Democrats say the Republican uh, president was a failure, and I used to get caught up in that, and now I'm like, okay, well, tell me more about that. Why do you think that you mean to tell me this, this individual did nothing right in all his years in office, not a single thing, because if they did one thing right, then they can't be called a failure because they progressed. And I think everyone, no matter if you like them or dislike them, you don't like the party. This is not a political podcast, but I think if people step back, you're going to find that everyone is progressing. Some of us are progressing at a faster rate and are taking leaps and bounds. And some of us are taking baby steps and that's okay, but we're all progressing. And I, I really like, I, I, I keep saying it, but I really like that reframe. I'm really going to tattoo that on my brain because it is an integral part of our lives. Because if we go through saying, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, well, that's going to affect everything else about our mindset. It's going to affect our attitude. It's going to affect our productivity and a whole nine yards. But if we reframe it and said, okay, no, I'm just progressing. I'm learning lessons. I'm progressing. Now your brain doesn't look at it as a negative. Now it looks at it as a positive, Correct.
1: Yeah, very true. And I hope people write that and put it on their bathroom mirror, or on their bedroom wall, or an alarm in their phone, just so they can remember it. And also, what can really help you in this reframe is if you stop judging other people as well. If you stop comparing yourself to other people, you stop saying other people are successful, other people are failures. Like you were talking about, you know, the presidential, the presidential candidates or presidents, if. If other if other people want to believe something, then let them believe it, because that's their belief based on the information that they have. You should only be concerned about the information that you have, the information that, that you believe. And you can't judge other people as well because you don't truly know what they what they believe, what they've heard, what they you know, how their brain processes information. So worry about yourself right now. Stop judging other people, stop comparing yourself to other people. And start looking at, at all of your reactions as progress.
0: Mm. You know, I, through all of these last couple uh, presidential elections, one thing I know for sure, Ben, is I do not ever want to be president of the United States. Um, I do not like people not liking me. And so I, I try to go out of my way to, you know, make friends with everybody I meet. So I, I could not go and be a leader of the country and have. By definition, when no matter if you're Democrat, Republican, when you get elected, half the country hates you. And I couldn't live with that. So <laughs> no, and, and besides, I, I would be one of these people. Hey, there's World War three starting. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm watching TV right now. You have to wait till tomorrow morning 24 <laughs> seven, 365. Cause people don't realize the presence on call like all the time. And, um, that doesn't fit into my schedule. So we'll just call that <laughs> for whatever it is. Uh, let's talk about being happy at work. Now, this is kind of. I guess we're going to future date this part of the 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 episode because uh, a lot of people aren't at work. Like ninety seven percent of the country is under stay at home orders now. So, what does it take to really feel happy at work? Because I tell you, one of my theories about when in terms of productivity, I don't think you can be your most productive self until you're doing what you love, where you love to do it. So, if you don't like your boss, the wallpaper, the commute, the coworkers, whatever. So that's where I look at this, you know, being happy at work. But explain to me why and to the audience how you can really feel happy at work. Yeah, and I
1: I agree with you there that the people you work with and the environment you work in drastically impact how happy you can be at work. But it's important to note that happiness is an emotion and those can only be created and felt by individuals. You can't make someone happy. I can make myself happy based on the environment or the people that are around me, based based on how I perceive them, based on how I what I feel about them, how I judge them, et cetera, what I need from the, the relationships, et cetera. And even with people that are at home, you know, if you do still have a job, like this still like these categories that I'm gonna review still matter. They're even more, I think, important and significant because a lot of the ways that you were happy at work, a lot of the ways that you felt validated, that you felt success, that you felt happy, are now completely changed. I and mean, even for entrepreneurs, if you, if you just started your own business, those those indicators have changed as well because you don't have due dates or assignments or a boss giving you praise. You don't have the same social environment, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are, are three main categories that relate to job satisfaction. And then I just want to kind of list those off. And then I want to talk about something that I developed called the career sweet spot. Okay. Um, so job satisfaction really is, and this is some research base. I, I did a lot of this. I did a lot of this research when I was finishing my doctorate. I focused on job satisfaction and value alignment. And so job crafting is a field that relates to job satisfaction and is composed of three main areas, your social context. So you, so you mentioned who you work with as well as your customers the meaning that you feel that's behind your work. So the values, the purpose, the passion, all of that. And then the actual work that you do. So the work that you love to do, the work that you dislike. Those three categories all sum together to create your levels of job satisfaction, happiness at work. Now, I've kind of taken the, that research in, different, in, in that field and created the career sweet spot, which is kind of imagine like three circles overlapping in a Venn diagram. One of those circles is the work that you're good at. One of those circles is what you care about. And one of those circles is where you feel challenged. And in the middle is your career sweet spot. If if your work is something you're good at, something that you care about, and something that you feel challenged with, you more than likely are going to be happy. Now, we can also throw in the social context. So if you're working with people that you love as well, then you found your career sweet spot you found the place where you're going to be happy now some of those things are not a hundred percent within your control, but all of them have some aspect of being within your control. You can focus on people that you love working with. You can connect more with them during the days. You can distance yourself from people you don't like working with. You can focus on work that you love to do. You can delegate work that you don't. You can have a conversation with your leader uh, to focus on other work that you truly do love that relates to the things that you care about. You can keep front of mind the passions, the purpose, the meaning that you feel behind your work. You can reframe the things you do every day and see like the the bigger picture, the bigger impact that it could have. And you can work with your leader to create solutions to common problems so your environment also improves in terms of your customers. And so all of this is, is within your control. But too often, we give away our power at work. We give away our ability to be satisfied.
0: Going through that Venn diagram, which we painted a mental picture for you, I it fully explains why I love what I do. Because I check off all those boxes. I'm good at what I'm doing. Some people may go, no, you're not. Uh, we'll just leave, <laughs> keep your comments in the peanut gallery behind. Uh, I really I feel like I'm doing work that I, that I care about. And it does challenge me. I mean, I am doing things like the podcast is really easy for me now. After like 544 episodes, it's really easy, but I'm always trying to push myself. So now I'm trying to get into other areas, how I can serve my audience, which are challenging to me because I am the type of person that does not want to, does not want to do the exact same thing every day because then I'd be known as a robot. So I like to be challenged. I like to read books. I read a book, um... The gentleman who wrote the book Flow, Mihai, Csikszentmihalyi, is there like like 14 letters, in his last name are 20 letters. Fantastic book, but it is not a book you can just like read right through. It's a really in-depth book. Have you heard of that book, by the way? I haven't. I'm okay, making a, a note though. Yeah, it's, his first name is M-I-H-A-L-Y, and his last name is like like 20 characters long. I think it's like CZ. It starts out as CZ or something like that. But it really stretched me. I got that recommendation from Brenda Burchard. And... But I, what I do is I feel challenged what I do because I really believe, and I've heard this from several thought leaders, that experts should be students first and then experts. So I'm always trying to learn how I can become more productive so I can, in turn, help my followers be more productive. And so I really think that most thought leaders I've come across believe student first, then expert. So you have anything to add to that? Oh, I mean, always be
1: learning. I think I have, and that does <laughs> the degrees don't matter. But I've gone to school a lot, and I love self study. I'd say that I didn't learn really much in school, but I learned how to process, store, and like summarize information really well. And I am constantly reading. Uh, it is it is the reason why i know the things that i know i'm constantly watching videos and podcasts and speaking to people that i respect and having informational interviews and i think that in personal empowerment like what you have in terms of i just want to to learn more to be better is is unbelievably related to the ability to create motivation right to find to to find ways to be productive for yourselves because you're leading yourself and just like with job satisfaction and being happy at work if you don't feel you're responsible for it, just like if you don't feel responsible for your knowledge, if you're an expert or if you're productive or if you're motivated, you're you're gonna give your power away and be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And that unhappy is going to create resentment towards your work, towards your coworkers, towards your leaders. You're gonna pull away from your work, you're gonna become less engaged, and that's just gonna become a vicious cycle to where you are just laying on the couch watching Netflix, walking to your fridge back and forth <laughs> and ignoring all the due dates that you have. Yeah.
0: A hundred percent. I, you know, you, 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 really gave us a lot to think about on this, on the show today, Ben. I mean, tons of information and I'll just give this little disclaimer or this little disclaimer or disclaimer or warning or whatever word you want to use. Uh, folks, just take one thing that uh, Ben said today, because if you take more than one, you're going to get overwhelmed, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to quit. So what that Ben said in the show today that resonated with you, go and do something today. Uh, Going back to Tony Robbins, whom I've never met. I've only read his stuff and taken his courses. He said, when you make a decision, go do something immediately to fortify that decision. So don't go, wow, it's a really great thing that Ben said. No, don't just do that. Take some action. So I know I learned something from you, Ben, as I do from every single one of our guests. But the final question I have for you is where can we find out more about you online? Because what you gave us Wet, wet my appetite and i'm sure it wet the appetite of my audience.
1: Yeah, i really appreciate that and all listeners can go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com liveforyourselfconsulting.com review more information about me. You can also just find me on LinkedIn at Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Send me a message or a connection request, tell me that you heard you heard of me on this show and i'm more than happy to also have a conversation.
0: Well, I really appreciate that. That link will be in the show notes, by the way, for the listener. So all you have to do is go to show notes, click it, and go right to his website and uh, connect with him on LinkedIn as well. I'm sure you would love to hear from them, especially if they said they, they took action and they got some uh, progress in the right direction, or even if it's not the right direction, at least they took some progress. So uh, Dr. Benjamin, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time uh, for, and sharing with us everything you did on the show today. And thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been a blast. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website mrproductivity.com. Take the productivity quiz and find out how productive you are really. Mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much. For listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast, I really want to hear what you think about not only this episode but the podcast as a whole. There's a couple of ways you can do that. Go to MisterProductivity.com, click on the contact tab, and send me a message, or you can go to anywhere I'm on social media, and I am all over the place. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and Twitter and Snapchat. go find me, send me a DM. I really want to hear from you. So please do that. And until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.